Well, again, good morning. We're so glad that you're here today. And um, uh, before I begin the message this morning, I, I wanted us to, to join uh, together in prayer for just a few moments, if we could. <clears throat> we had the... <clears throat> Pardon me, guys. <clears throat> we... <clears throat> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> sorry. One more time here. <laughs> We had the <clears throat> terrible <clears throat> tragedy in our community with the shooting of these two officers, uh, one of whom passed, passed away, um, uh, Officer Johnson, and then the other is, uh, remains in critical care. I actually haven't heard an update on his condition in the last couple of days, but Officer Zarkashan I believe is how you pronounce his, his last name. And so if we could, let's take a moment to, to pray uh, for the Johnson family and for Officer Zarkashan that God might um, really bring healing uh, for him. Uh, pray for his family as well. Let, let's pray together. Father, we do lift these, both of these families to you this morning. Father, we pray for Officer Johnson's family, that you would continue to um, be with them, that they would know your presence uh, so, so very strong in their lives right now, that you would uh, bring them comfort, that you would bring them peace, that you would bring them um, the presence of, of your spirit in, in such a way that that only you can do at such a time like this. So, Lord, um, may their needs uh, be met in, in every fashion as well. Father, we pray for uh, Officer Zarkashin, Lord, as he, um, as far as we know, continues to, to struggle for his life. Lord, we pray that you would bless, that you would intervene there and touch him, Father, with healing. Lord, continue to be with his family, uh, strengthen them, encouraging them. Lord, uh, bring your people alongside in, in every way during this time. And Father, we pray for uh, all those first responders during this uh, very difficult and challenging time in our community and in our country. Lord, that you would, would give them a sense of your peace and your calm. And, and Lord, that you would bless them with protection, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, uh, as you well know, we've been in this pandemic now for almost six months, and in this uh, racial crisis for almost six weeks. And uh, I haven't asked you the question in a while. I, I thought I would begin by asking you, how are you doing? <laughs> and how are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> One keen observer of Christian, uh, from a, uh, of our culture, from a Christian worldview writes these words, <clears throat> every generation has its challenges, and every generation can choose to face them with or without God. Our Lord wants to use these cri the crises of these days to show us the folly of our self-sufficiency. He wants to draw us from our problems to His providence, from our fears to His omnipotence. To face our challenges in these days 
with God means that we face them with faith, with faith. You know, there are so many examples in the Bible of God's people responding in faith in the midst of a variety of challenges, a variety of crises. Uh, But one of the most amazing is the story that we're going to look at this morning, found in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament in the third chapter. A little bit of background to this story. As chapter 1 of the book of Daniel opens, uh, we find that the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed, has been overrun, conquered, and destroyed by the Babylonians under the leadership of a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And those citizens that survived that attack, that destruction, uh, those that are old and ill are left in the city just to linger there at that point. But then they take those, that, that the most impressive of, of the younger population, back with them to, to, to Babylon. And, and uh, they actually take some of the most impressive of, of those, and they set them aside, they take them aside to train them in the Babylonian ways for the purpose of potentially serving in the king's administration, to help out in administering the, the province of Babylon. And four of the Hebrew young men that were selected for that potential service for the king were Daniel and his his three friends. His three friends who were known as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, Now, they're more familiar to me, as I'm sure they are to you, by their Babylonian names, which were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, when chapter 1 begins, Daniel tells the, the wonderful story of how those four young men, when they were in this training process, refused to eat the unhealthy food, the unhealthy, very rich food that the king provided and the drink that the king provided, and they requested instead to eat healthy food and just to drink water. And as a result, they ultimately outshined all the other candidates, and they were actually selected to, be in the, to, to join the king's service. And so they were given positions of administration in the kingdom, in the Babylonian kingdom, which, as I'm sure you can also imagine, created a little bit of uh, concern and jealousy on the part of native Babylonians who thought, well, you know, some of their friends should have been in those positions instead. Well, when you get to chapter 3, we learn that King Nebuchadnezzar, who apparently was very impressed with himself, demanded that a statue be constructed in his image. Now, now we're not, not talking about something that was just a little mantelpiece here. We're talking about a, a statue that was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. Well, he has this grand dedication ceremony in which he summons all the leaders throughout Babylon to come and be present. And as they are all gathered there, this is what happens next. Verse 4 of chapter 3. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego remained faithful to their God, and they refused to bow down to this golden image. 
Well, when some of the, the, those local yokel leaders see what's taking place, see what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing, they take this opportunity. This, they see this as, as a chance for them to get even with them. And so they report them to the king. And as the three of them are brought before Nebuchadnezzar, we read in verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Now, this is as challenging as crises can get in life, is it not? We're talking about life or death situation. So let me ask you, as a person of faith, if you were in the shoes or sandals of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how would you respond? You're standing before this fiery furnace. How would you respond? Some might say, well, I, I would just try to work up as much faith as I possibly can. Because if I have enough faith, then I know that God will cause King Nebuchadnezzar to change his mind or he'll just blow out the furnace or he'll, he'll do something that, that, will, that will be able to help me. So I'll be okay. Is that what biblical faith is all about? A matter of just working up enough feelings of faith? Kind of like, a genie in the bottle. If you can rub God with enough faith, he'll grant you what you wish. Maybe you remember the story of the OSU cowboy and the OU Sooner and the University of Texas Longhorn that were all lost in the desert. And they stumbled across a genie in the bottle. You know, your wish is my command. OSU cowboy says, well, I wish I was in Hawaii on the beach where I had as much food and drink as I could, could possibly manage to have. Bam. He's on the beach. OU Center says, oh, I wish I was by a, a cool mountain lake and I could have all the, the food and drink that I wanted there as well. Bam, he's by the cool mountain lake. University of Texas Longhorn, your wish is my command. He looks at the genie and he says, well, shucks, I wish those other two guys were still here. <laughs> Save it for football season, right? <laughs> if faith, if faith is about believing that you can conjure up enough of it to control God's response to you, is that real faith? Absolutely not. That is not faith in God. That's what? That is faith in faith. Do you remember how much faith Jesus said that we needed to have? He said, if you have the faith of just a tiny mustard seed, the, the smallest seed known to people at that time, in, at that time, in that part of the world, in that time in history, if you just have the, the faith of the tiny little mustard seed, you can do what? You can move mountains. Because that's not faith in faith, that is faith in God. Well, others facing that fiery furnace might say, well, it, it's not a matter of enough faith. It's a matter of positive faith. You just have to be positive. You have to think positive thoughts while you're standing in front of the fiery furnace, and God will do positive things for you. 
Again, I ask, is that what true faith is about? Just having positive feelings? Faith is not about trying to maintain a positive feeling in the midst of adversity. In an effort to just simply try to stay on some emotional high all the time. Feelings will change, but faith does not. Then again, others facing a fiery furnace might take an approach more like this, saying that it's not a matter of having positive thoughts. It's a matter of having the right thoughts. They would say something like, I truly believe that I know what's in God's best interest in this situation, which is for the king to set us free. So I am just going to name it and claim it. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not stand there before the fiery furnace and go into all kinds of gyrations trying to work up enough faith. They did not stand there with positive grins on their faces. And neither did they start making claims of knowing what was best for God. So what did they do? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king. In other words, if these are our last words you hear from us, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, do you remember what Nebuchadnezzar's last comment was to them? It was, it was actually in the form of a question. He said, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? There was Nebuchadnezzar was claiming absolute authority. He, I mean, he considered himself to be the God above all gods. He was challenging any God, including the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to try to circumvent his authority. So from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's perspective, they see this not as a conflict between themselves and the king. They see this as a conflict between, them, between the king and their God, Yahweh, the one true God. Their reply is a clear statement of faith to Nebuchadnezzar that the authority and power of their God is far superior to Nebuchadnezzar. Their God does indeed have the power to save and to rescue them. I mean, they're essentially saying to Nebuchadnezzar, listen, bud, you are a pipsqueak compared to our God. Which, as we'll see in a few moments, Nebuchadnezzar does not take kindly to. Well, but before we go on with the story, let's be sure that we understand something else about their faith. Notice, they do not presume upon God at all. Not at all. Their commitment to God is not linked to any expectations on their part. Again, listen to that, that phenomenal final statement they make in verse 18. But even if he does not we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image or gold that you have set up. Amazing. See, faith, real biblical faith, is always, always about the object of our faith, which is our sovereign, omnipotent God. 
Faith is never to be measured by our, our expectations, but only by our trust, our willingness to trust God regardless of the outcomes, whatever they may be. Faith is taking trusting steps of obedience in God's direction. Notice the trusting steps that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took as they faced this fiery furnace. First of all, they acknowledged their need without making any stipulations. We need rescue. Second, they humbly acknowledged the ability of God to meet their needs in whatever way he chose to do so. Our God can rescue us, they said. And then they committed themselves to uncompromising obedience to God. Again, regardless of the outcome. But even if he does not, we still will not bow down and worship. Well, I think it's pretty obvious that Nebuchadnezzar must have somewhat liked these guys or he wouldn't have given them the second chance, in essence, to change their minds. But now, having been publicly defied by these Hebrew young men, his pride has been deeply offended, and he is ticked. Now, if you want to see how God ultimately dealt with his pride, read chapter 4 as soon as you have a chance. But let's look beginning in verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the, fiery fur the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Now, this is when things start to get pretty interesting. <laughs> three men, three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Well, who do you think that fourth person was? Obviously, this is a divine encounter. It could have been an angel. But many believe that this was a pre-incarnate manifestation of God the Son, of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just imagine the conversation that they were having together, the four of them, as they walked around in this fiery furnace. Give some thought to that. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. <laughs> Imagine they did. 
they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was not even the smell of fire on them. The only thing that they did not have on them when they walked out that they did have on them when they walked in were the ropes with which they were tied. Now, please don't miss this. Please. Some people refer to this as the Emmanuel principle. God was with them in the fiery furnace. He was with them. The Emmanuel principle. Do you remember what the, the, that was one of the names that was given to the Lord Jesus? And you remember what it meant? We don't usually talk about it much except around Christmas time. It meant what? God with us. God so loved us. He loved us so much that he came into this world. He put on human skin to become like us in order to save us. And then died on a cross to pay the penalty of our sin in our place. And our faith, our faith can now rest in that love. Because our hope in Christ is assured. We know our ultimate destiny is everlasting life. Friends, just as God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, He is with you in the furnaces of life. So let me ask, what has been and what is your faith response to this pandemic and all the various challenges that, that it has brought along with it, which are so many? Now understand, I, I'm not asking about your political position or what conspiracy theory you might think is correct. I am simply asking you about your walk of faith during this time. And what has been and what is your faith response to the racial crisis that we are in? Again, I'm not asking about your political viewpoint or opinions. I'm asking you about your personal response of faith. My prayer is this. That just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we may all be willing, without any hesitation whatsoever, to always, always acknowledge our need to God without making any stipulations. And that we may always humbly acknowledge His ability to meet those needs in whatever way He chooses best to do so. And that we may all commit ourselves to uncompromising obedience to God regardless of the outcome. Because when outcomes in this life are uncertain, you can always, always trust in the certainty of the eternal and unchanging love and presence of God as you move forward in faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that 
amazing love, grace, and presence in which our faith can always rest. We thank you that in the midst of any kind of uncertainty, that we can rest in the certainty of your unchanging love, your unchanging presence. It's our simple prayer today that as we move forward, we continue to move forward from here, that we might move forward in those simple steps of faith, in obedience, in your direction. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.